Welcome, everyone, wherever you happen to be in the world at this time. We welcome you to Ultra Life today. I am Josh Bellew, and I'm hanging out here yeah. with uh, my your dear, dear buddy. Yep, I'm Adam Payne, and that we have a guest here. We do have sandwich a guest. between us. Yes, we do. We have Dr. Royce Bargus with us. She is going to be our baptism by fire into 2023 today, and I'm so excited. Uh, Adam, you and I had the pleasure of meeting her um, briefly at a local health meetup that had medical professionals, DOs and NDs and MDs and people like her that are specialized in a discipline like cardiology. And uh, Dr. Bargus is a cardiologist and electrophysiologist. And Adam, you know, you and I absolutely love to ask people to share a little bit of their journey with us. So, oh, I mean, that's the whole thing. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing that Dr. Bargus has a real heart for her patients. I think she's like, oh, you, <laughs> that is so, so good. So welcome to the broadcast, Royce Bargus. It's so delightful to have you here. Tell us a little bit about your journey, any aha moments for you, because I know you come from a conventional background in cardiology and electrophysiology. I know our listeners are extremely interested in learning more not only about the heart, but about your journey from where you came from to where you are now and why you're where you are now. So, All yeah. right. Well, thank you, Josh, Adam. It's of great course. to be here. I am don't be, inti- don't be intimidated by being in between us here. <laughs> I'm not. Totally it's, a, it's a good place to I be. I grew up We're with friends. a big brother and a large father, so don't yeah. worry. Oh, great. Um, oh, geez. That, is a really, that could be a really long story. So I will say. We have several segments here. You take your time. <laughs> Um, I grew up in a tiny farm town in central Michigan and um, left there after graduating high school from a very small farm school to go to Michigan State University. Go green! We didn't do very good this year in football, but it's okay. There's always next year. Um, and then, and I always knew from being a small child that I wanted to be a physician, and I'm not really sure why because I really came from a line of, you know, blue-collar workers, farmers. I was the first one, even in my extended family, to ever go to college. Wow. Um, Sounds like a calling to me. (laughs) So, but there was something inside me that just wanted that. And so I went to Michigan State and um, was in a pre-med program there, did very well. Unfortunately, at that time, people matriculating into medical school were... um, you're very typical, my dad's a doctor, white collar, big city type people. And so it, I could not get into medical school for a long time, mm. which only fueled the fire of wanting to go and nobody's gonna tell me you can't do what you wanna do. Oh, wow. I opted to go to osteopathic school. Um, I won't belabor the difference between an MD and a DO, but I grew up with, as, with an osteopathic physician and that was really the philosophy of medicine that I believed in. It's, I believe nice. it's a more, a humanistic approach to medicine, and um, it really focuses on the health of the person rather than um, labeling people with disease processes or even focusing your treatment on a specific de- disease process. It's really all about kind of restoration of health. Nice. Well, then, fast forward, I go through medical school. At some point, I thought I wanted to be a neonatologist, which is just wow. completely bizarre to me now. And. <laughs> Through medical school, I had a fantastic mentor, which is really how a lot of us end up in our particular specialty. He was a cardiologist, and within two days of working with him, I loved cardiology. I loved how very black and white and concrete it was. 
Um, I had done actually neurologic research prior to um, going to medical school, and neurology to me is a very gray science where cardiology mm. is very black and white, and I love that. And um, there were not a lot of electrophysiologists in the country at the time, and that was a very growing um, area of medicine. And that mentor basically told me, you're going to be an electrophysiologist. And I said, okay. And <laughs> I got through medical school, went on to a residency. I lived, um, I did an internship, osteopathic internship in Henry, at Henry Ford on the boulevard in downtown Detroit, which was a bit of culture shock. I had actually traveled through <laughs> med school. I lived in Colorado where I did research. Then I moved to San Francisco for my first wow. two years of med school. I lived in Las Vegas for a year. And you really culture shocked yourself, didn't I you? Did. All I over did. the place. And then I traveled all over for 18, my last 18 months of med school, going to the Mayo Clinic, the Cleveland Clinic, oh, wow. University of Cincinnati, all the really great cardiac um, facilities yes. to get some experience. Then I started postgraduate training. I did an internship in Detroit and then moved back to Colorado, which at that time was my love. And I had missed it the entire time I had been away through my medical training. Then I basically did another internship, internal medicine, cardiology, and electrophysiology. All told, it's, I think, over 20 years of training from the time I started um, college until I was out. And that's not counting the six years that I was just working and not in school. So by the time I actually was getting out of my fellowship and going to get a job as an electrophysiologist, the entire market had been completely saturated and it become, became the hardest year in all of like the history of electrophysiology to get a job. And just for people... Well, so going from, no, going from no electrophysiology, electrophysiology cardiologist to there being a, a whole bunch of them? Yes, completely saturated market in that, um, I guess it was an eight-year span. Oh, wow. And, I mean, the world doesn't need a ton of electrophysiologists. And um, as, the, as that area of medicine was exploding, which really was on the heels of us discovering that defibrillators really uh -huh. save lives. Wow. So just to kind of back up, electrophysiology. Yeah, what is that for people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I'm basically the electrician of the heart. And so I deal with abnormal abnormalities in the electrical conduction system. So, so fascinating. It's, I mean, it this, is so we, so uh, recently there's this football player that got oh, knocked. What, a, what an amazing story, right? So his, he had a, um, a, a shock, didn't he? He got tackled and that probably gave a shock to his heart and it went into arrhythmia or what? Give oh, us I a, think that we don't what know. Happened? I think yeah, we, we don't we, know we, yet. We don't know yet. What I think we don't there. know yet. It could be a number of things. And quite frankly, guys, as an electrophysiologist, whenever I see somebody go down on the field, I always assume it's that. Right. And even though that's very rare, um, professional athletes are at a little bit higher risk of having sudden cardiac death. But there are several diagnoses that could have led um, to his particular demise. And... Um, you know, some of them you can determine through autopsy. I guess they, they'll be able to do some genetic testing, but there are a couple of diagnoses that... Well, he, he made it, right? I mean, he's, he's alive right now, isn't he, this guy? I thought he died. Uh, as of yesterday, he was alive. Oh, and, he was and, still on life support, yeah, right. And, I thought that and, they didn't and, get him and, resuscitated. And at the end of yesterday, I heard, which is so lovely, uh, thank you, God, that they're, at least at the moment, they're looking at a really good opportunity to bring him out. The only question I think now is 
how long was the brain without oxygen, that kind of thing. And, and I, I heard one of the top cardiologists yesterday actually commenting on this in the entire world, one of the most published in the world, if not the most published. And he said that uh, the likelihood of him playing sports again after an event like this in terms of college or football, NFL, no. it's not going to happen. I mean, just from a liability standpoint, yeah. he's probably – I would imagine he'll leave the hospital with a defibrillator, depending on what diagnosis they find, and then yep. you're not going to play. You're not going to play, play any contact sports sport yeah. with a defibrillator. Right. Um, but yeah, I guess the likelihood of them determining the diagnosis of what caused his problem is very high, since he's still alive and in the hospital. So, so, so back into electrician. So the elect- yeah. yeah, the electrician of the heart. Just yes. it's, you make it so, sound so simple. People think that cardiologists are all plumbers because everybody they know has some sort of, not everybody, everybody knows somebody who's had a heart attack, has right. a coronary disease, An occlusion got a or stent something. or a balloon yes. or whatever. I don't do any of that. I don't look at any of the plumbing. I just deal with the electrical system, which is obviously much more hidden. And um, <laughs> so I put in pacemakers, defibrillators, and... Um, was trained to do a procedure called an ablation where we literally put tiny wires in the heart and we burn abnormal electrical circuits that cause abnormal heart rhythms. I have actually, in the past six months, phased out ablations from my practice because it's still a a very developing field and not where I wanted to focus my attention to learn new things Uh um, because I'm kind of going down this other road. But it was a bit of a dagger in my heart to the first time I had to tell a patient I don't do ablations anymore. It was kind of hard. So I, yeah. my mom went through something. She's, she's passed away 11 years ago now. But I remember when I was caring for her several years prior to her death, and she developed this um, um, unusual beating of her heart where it would like stop sometimes. And so she said, oh, I'm going to go in and get this thing called a cardioversion. Is that cardio something? inversion? Yeah. Car- yeah, they called it cardioversion yes. at the time. Tell, tell us about that because that actually revolutionized my mom's life. It took her from being, she was always a very active mind and active body person. And when that was going on with her, it just show, shut her down. It slowed her down. And after that, it like she bounced back. It was amazing to me. Yeah, so a cardioversion is just an electrical resetting of the heart. And so basically, you use a high voltage shock to depolarize every single cell in the heart. So every cell in the heart at the exact microsecond shuts off. And then that allows the normal pacemaker of the heart to take over again. And so you basically reset the heart's rhythm. And it's done for, you have to be in an abnormal heart rhythm. And that's the way to stop the abnormal heart rhythm. You basically turn everything on and then it shuts off and then it can restart again. And does the cardioversion actually tie into electrophysiology? Was it that one of the things? It is the procedure of okay. an electrophysiologist. Okay. I mean, general okay. cardiologists do it too, but okay. it is an electrophysiology procedure okay. resetting the Very good. That rhythm. helps me kind of key into, oh, I've actually, but my mom has you, been But one. you didn't just settle in electrophysiology. You've, you're, your journey has taken you into a whole yes, different direction. That's really only the first Your uphill journey, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, so and, and with, well, a, with a couple of minutes before break, let's, let's, Let's wind down a little bit here, and then we'll pick right, right back up after the break. But So did something happen while you were practicing medicine that caused you to make this change to integrative medicine? Yeah, so um, was there like a moment that, that things hit you? What was, what was that watershed? Well, there was like a series of events and 
I'll try to wrap it up in two minutes. But basically, well, no, it's okay <laughs> because we'll 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 start on that journey and the rest. So take your time on the next segment. In the world, so I became an employed electrophysiologist where a hospital basically controlled me. And in a world of medicine where basically hospitals, big pharma, and the government make all the rules and control all the people that are practicing medicine, I'll be short in saying there is a lot of corruption and male-aligned motivation. And, and, it, and it doesn't allow, it's it's. Brought, it's widening the gap of this sacred doctor-patient relationship, isn't it? Yes, there. It, the doctor-patient relationship is really gone in that model, and it's not patient-centric at all. And mm. you know, all these medical facilities. Oh, patients number one, and no, it's money you know, is number one. I'm slapping a lot of people in the face, but I'll say no, money no. is number one. Yeah. It's not the. It's not about the patient anymore. And unfortunately, in a physician-employed world, it's not even about the doctors. And so I just grew more and more and more disappointed and disheartened and um, disgruntled with my job in it. That was not the medicine that I believed okay. in and why I went to medical uh, school. Along with Dr. Bargus's dissatisfaction, what a great segue into our next segment. You're listening to Ultra Life today. And by the way, thank you for sharing the podcast with all of your friends and loved ones. It's growing. We appreciate it. If you need to get a hold of Dr. Bargus, she has an amazing website. It's BargusWellness.com. That's B as in boy, A-R-G-A-S, wellness.com, BargusWellness.com. Contact information there, unique ways to get 10-minute free consultation with her, some really cool things there. And so we'll be right back. I'm Josh Bellew. I'm Adam Payne. And we have Dr. Royce Vargas here with us today. Ultra Life Today. We'll be right back. Looking for some real answers for your health? Can't sleep. Dragging out of bed? Stiff and in pain. Can't remember your spouse's name? Join Adam and Josh Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. for Ultra Life Today. You'll get a chance to listen to cutting-edge health experts and pick their brains in all kinds of health topics. We'll be taking your calls and giving away life-changing Ultra Botanica products. Join, Join us, us on, on Ultra, Ultra Life, Life Today, Today Saturdays, Saturdays at 9. 9. Welcome back to Ultra Life. Today, you've been listening to a fascinating interview that I, Josh Bell, you and my dear friend Adam Payne here are having with Dr. Royce Bargus, yeah. uh, cardiologist, we're, electrophysiologist. But we're moving into that interesting well, phase of the story, right? Where yeah. she's talking about being disillusioned with what was taking place in this kind of, I almost call it like a captive environment. Is that a good word to use for individuals that are part of a hospital system and stuff these days? Sure. It's limiting, no doubt? Yes, for, okay. absolutely. Okay, so yeah, pick up where you left off. And... Sure. So Adam had asked me, was there a defining moment? And um, there was a moment when I was on call one weekend where a lot of things just kind of came to a head and I was like, I'm done with this. I can't do this anymore. And so I left the employed world and I went into private practice, which unfortunately um, was 
although a better fit for my soul, it was turned out, unfortunately, to be very financially catastrophic for Mm. me. So it was when I was with that group where things were not well um, for me from that standpoint, and I was trying to build my private practice, that um, I actually went to a conference on hormone replacement therapy, which is really bizarre for a cardiologist or electrophysiologist. It's a little out of the box. Yeah, A little outside (laughs) the box, but a series of events had gotten me at this conference, and... um, I met somebody who had been certified by the Institute for Functional Medicine. And quite frankly, I had never even heard the term functional medicine. Ah. And Deanne was like, what do you mean you don't know what functional medicine is? And I'm like, I have no idea what this was. And so as soon as I left that conference, I went to the IFM website. I read every, the entire website, everything there was, and started doing all this research. And I was totally sold. And I was like, oh, Functional medicine is actually medicine. Like, this is the reason why I went to medical school to begin with. This is this is my home. Like, this is where I was Yay. supposed to be all along. And so that began my journey with um, certification through the Institute of Functional Medicine. I got out of that group. I opened my own practice, which is now Vargas Wellness. I opened on February 14th of 2019. Okay, so for our listeners, um, because we hear the words functional and integrative bantied around a lot, you actually use both of those for your practice. But for our listeners that may not understand yet the difference between the conventional medical paradigm and the functional integrative paradigm, can you help us understand that? Yes. So conventional medicine is very disease oriented. You spend your time kind of chasing your tail, treating disease processes and symptom complexes with medications. Then you have to treat the side effect of the medications. It's very procedure oriented. And it's not really about the health of the patient. And unfortunately, it's all tied in with all the corruption of who really runs the show, making it not a, it's not about getting people better and restoring our true physiology, which is how we were born to, you know, function at the level of a high performance machine. So functional medicine is very different. And I'll clarify that integrative medicine and functional medicine are two different things. Right. I knew that you had specifically hmm. practiced when you, when I saw your video, it's like, okay, she, I want her to make this distinction. This is interesting. So yeah. there, you, you see a distinction between, from integrative medicine to functional medicine. I'm, I'm really curious. Only because functional medicine is a true discipline. And maybe it's my own, like, pride that, like, all that I've gone to to become a certified functional medicine provider But what I've learned through that process is that there are a lot of people, doctors and different providers, that like to consider themselves outside-the-box thinkers, and so they just label themselves with the tag of integrative medicine. Or I've met practitioners that say they practice functional medicine when, in fact, they've never had one minute of true functional medicine training. Mm -hmm. It's a discipline that you train in and you certify in, Mm -hmm. and there's this very... um, there is a process there is an actual methodology and process yes. orientation, right? Yes, it's not just thinking outside the box. It's actually finding a means to use a patient's biochemistry to restore optimal physiology. And there's a a method to that madness. It's not just, oh, I don't prescribe pharmaceuticals is the first thing I do. It's like there's a lot of training in, that goes in that's rigorous and hard training to become a certified functional medicine provider. 
So, it, so this is different than the uh, A4M, uh, Aging and Regenerative Medicine Fellowship. It's, the, it's a different fellowship, isn't it? I did a different fellowship, but A4M is still functional medicine. Okay. And there, there are like integrative medicine academies. Mm-hmm. Um, like there is a way to become certified in integrative medicine, but that's not necessarily functional medicine. Uh, yeah, I and understood. So as my practice, I mean, I said integrative cardiology um, because really for a marketing reason, because people, when they go to search for something on the web, people don't know what functional medicine. So they're not right. going to be search for functional cardiology, right. which is really what I would consider myself. Right. Maybe they're holistic if they know how to spell it. So, Maybe let, holistic, <laughs> so let me right. make sure I understand here. So functional medicine is looking at the biochemistry, the genomic, the metabolomic, all the all of the characteristics of how a particular person is functioning, and then looking at optimizing the biology, chemistry, supplementation, other aspects of exercise, uh, life, psychology, as a way of bringing that person up to optimizing their their health from that perspective. Yes, it's a root cause approach to somebody's health, and by restoring natural health. We really go way downstream to the beginning of these biochemical processes and find what has been distorted and what is abnormal and how do we restore the normal function versus conventional medicine is very, very upstream. Oh, your blood pressure is high in my office. I got a drug yeah, that will Right, yeah. That. It's, uh, conventional medicine is an ICD-9 code, a diagnosis, Absolutely. and then the... The, this ICD-9 code prompts this therapy. Right, this, this what, what do we call it? It's not the um, gold standard, but the... Um, like standard of care? The standard of care, right. And, that's what, and then doctors don't want to do anything outside of standard of care because they're afraid of being sued and, and litigation for doing something outside the box of standard of care. Right. And so that's, I see that's how many conventional doctors are handcuffed to a uh, traditional approach because they're afraid of leaving the safety net of what's conventional. Right. And unfortunately, not to beat a dead horse or stay on my soapbox, but... Oh, go for it. The you guidelines... beat, beat the horse. This, this, is, the pla- this is the platform. <laughs> this, is the, this, is, this is the beating okay. of the dead horse. The guidelines that determine standard of care medicine are written so by pharmaceutical companies. Yes. And because the they physicians want... yep. that are on yep. those panels ultimately get their paycheck from big pharma or governmental agencies. And so there's... It's just a long line of misaligned motivation is and how I bad interest. So we had we in one of our recent interviews we talked about the American Medical Association that it, it has no interest in medicine. It was really designed to help the business of medicine, right. Right? right? The American Medical Association is the American Association of Doctors that want to do business. And so they're really talking about how do they uh, enable pharmaceutical sales? How do they m- enable mm-hmm. more insurance and, and, and maximize profits? We maximize profits. Yeah, 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 Absolutely. yeah. And then you have the whole insurance industry, whose whole business is not aligned with the interests of the doctors, or nor the of the interest of the patients. <laughs> right. And so it, it, the whole system is broken. It's very, very broken. Right. And so I, I, I can imagine it, but it, and it's also hard to communicate to. Potent to patients that that they need to pay for something that they normally consider 
that they just uh, get for sort of for free. Don't doesn't yes. my insurance cover this kind right. of approach? And unfortunately, most insurance does not cover a functional medicine approach. It it doesn't cover a functional medicine approach, and there are no. You know, the way billing is done through insurance companies is with a CPT code, and there are no CPT codes for functional medicine. And the insurance company would say, well, there's CPT codes for medicine. But the reality at the end of the day is that an insurance company is not paying for the time that it takes to do functional medicine, even if they think they are. Even if I can bill the insurance company for an hour of my time, a new patient in my practice, I've spent at least four hours on them before wow. they get what, what Hold they on. paid for. Four hours. Yes, but not four hours with the patient. But from the time a patient um, sets up an initial appointment with me, the work starts that minute. We're gathering a lot of information. A big part of um, the benefit of seeing me, even if you only ever see me for one consultation, is that I have basically gathered a lifetime of information on you a and uniquely I tell you identifiable what history for that you. person and right like this is how i understand your life story and they i use this very sophisticated software that helps me practice functional medicine build what we call the matrix which is that biochemical platform where we're, i try to figure out like the root cause of the problem and so prior to the patient being in front of me I have already spent several hours kind of summarizing their entire life history. Mm. Then they're with me face-to-face -face for a minimum of an hour. I do a very comprehensive physical exam, including a nutritional exam. We talk all about their entire life history. Then after they leave, it's in general um, one to three hours, depending on how complex their um, story is, to develop their initial protocol, which, as you were mentioning, Adam, does include, you know, nutritional recommendations, sleep recommendations, stress resiliency, um, medications if necessary, and any testing going forward. From yeah. There. So that that was my next question: is what kind of testing are you doing with with your inbound patients? I know um, there are a, a number of. Um, we just interviewed a gal that uh, founded. Uh, Dr. Jay Dunn, she founded a company right. called My Happy Genes, and they do a, a, a functional SNP panel of 600,000 different SNPs um, that look at functional aspects of, of biochemistry in the human body. And there's uh, Geronova is another big company that does a bunch of functional medicine, functional testing. Where do you gravitate? Genova. Genova, Genova, yes. that's right. Genova no. Diagnostics, yep. for sure. Yeah, where, where do you gravitate to on the testing spectrum? So... Um, I do just want to back up for one second and say sure. that the really great thing about my practice is that I'm a board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine physician. And so when you come to me, you will get standard of care. Sure. And I will, like, I do believe that it's my job to tell a patient, you know, in the conventional world, this is what we're supposed to do. And I practice very evidence-based medicine. And so, you know, if there are, is good scientific data for something, then I'm recommending that to my patient. And because I'm a physician, I can write them a prescription if that's what they right. need. Right. So you're just not out of hand saying, ignore the conventional medicine approach. Right. We're they just going to do both. all natural. No, that's... Right. That's, they can get both. And, well, that doesn't you know, serve patients Well, well and, you're, and you're meeting individuals that are on their own journey that most of them 
are waking up to the idea that there is something called integrative, functional, holistic, know the cause of what's happening with me, and now they're making a transition. So I'm so glad you brought that up because they come to you. You're not going to say, okay, you're going to fast for 20 days and we're going to do all this. You're going to look at right where they are, and then you're going to slowly help move them toward that potential optimum lifestyle, optimum health, right? Right, right. And then, you know, from a pharmaceutical standpoint, if it's my recommendation and they don't want to take it, the difference between me and a conventional person is that I can say, okay, I completely respect that. I meet you where you are. And these are alternatives. That's, a, that's awesome. So, so, so somebody that is pharmaceutical negative, they don't want to do like these hardcore beta blockers or things that... Statins. Yep, statins. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, boy, don't, don't get us started on don't statins. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> right. Hey, hey listen, uh, you're listening to Ultra Life today. We're having a fascinating interview with Dr. Royce Bargus, uh, board-certified cardiologist, electrophysiologist, but transitioned into a... Beautiful practice in Edmond, Oklahoma, that uh, is an integrative and a functional practice. And functional. she made a distinction b- between those for us. The easiest way to get a hold of Dr. Bargus is BargusWellness.com. That's B as in boy, A-R-G-A-S, Wellness.com. You can get a 10-minute free consultation. You can get on her website, and with a couple of clicks, her newsletter will arrive in your box. How often does that come out? Once a month. Once a wow. month. Okay. So you're listening to Ultra Life today. I'm Josh Bellew. That's Adam Payne, Dr. Royce Bargus. We will be right back. 